0: Fantasy, best friends
1: forever
2: Yeah <music> Yeah.
3: IPAs. I know you like IPAs. I mean
2: I'm gonna probably So you'll be all right. You know
3: what's funny? We, uh, EY and I actually had a random conversation yesterday about where he lives in, in Nashville, Tennessee. Hipsters came up, and one of the first things he brought up about hipsters, he hates that they all wear flannel. <laughs> For those listening on demand, uh, Greg Sussman is wearing a, a flannel-esque shirt today. So you might fit that description. You don't, have the, you don't have the facial hair, though, so you're all right, Greg.
1: Hello. Hello, Eric. Hello. flannel flannel's flannel's fine it's just when you're obviously not a woodsman or a tradesman or a construction worker and you're trying to look like that you're wearing scuffed up boots and a carhartt jacket and this big beard and this red and plaid flannel you've probably never slept a day outside you've probably never swung in a real axe except for at some hippie axe throwing thing which is actually really fun, by the way. <laughs> uh, so yeah.
2: Oh yeah, my god!
1: Have you ever swung You're an safe. axe before, Greg? I have
2: not. I did shoot a gun once in my life, though. I actually have never shot a gun, but I have swung an axe. I shot a gun once, I was
3: chopping some wood. Ey would have been proud. I don't do it in my flip flops, like you, Ey. But I tried.
1: Yeah. I, I wasn't I really was successful. La- I was late at night. I just didn't have time to get shoes. So <laughs> flip flops. I was.
2: Was um. You should have seen me shooting a gun. It was very funny, as you expect. Yeah, I can. I can only imagine, Greg. Sussmania with a gun in his hand. (laughs) We're all safe. All right. Um, Just a quick update. My Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Tomorrow, it'll be like high 80s, but it will feel like 96 because of the humidity. You're going there starting
3: tomorrow? Yes. Okay. So, there you go. That's a little programming note for the rest of the week. Greg Sussman out Thursday and Friday. I'll be here with EY tomorrow. EY, you are around on Friday as well? Oh, yeah. We'll try to make it myself, EY, and Florio again on Friday. I'll be good. Get the band back together. Uh, right. Hour two tomorrow, I'll have Alex Fasano from downstairs up in studio as well. I won't be there. You won't be here. No. Just me, flying solo-ish, kind
2: of. Not, not really, really. Not really at all. Not, not so. You, you, have, you have friends. In terms of in studio, kind of solo. So, uh, for those, uh, I did not admittedly get a chance to listen uh, to the program yesterday. I was, as you, you saw me right outside in a meeting.
3: That's right. Uh, Greg what, was doing big boy things.
2: What did I have to, what do I have to know in regard to um, the Vikings and the Packers. Just a quick, quick update here. So I said that
3: in a one-quarterback league, I'm more apt to draft Aaron Rodgers this up- upcoming season than I have been probably ever before. Wow, okay. I think he's coming at a discount. Yeah. I think that some uh, positive touchdown regression is coming his way. EY and I both agreed that Aaron Jones has RB1 upside. I believe EY said that he has Aaron Jones as his RB12. You know I have Devontae Adams as my wide receiver one. Ah, uh, the toss-up for the Packers was whether or not you want Geronimo Allison or MVS because they basically are going at the same point right now, and I slightly lean MVS, but I don't know that there is a right answer to that question, Greg.
2: So it's it's interesting. I was in my my Scott's fishbowl and I was deciding between both of them, and instead I just took James Washington because I couldn't decide which one I wanted. <laughs> yeah, but I I think that's very comparable, and I said that
3: yesterday too. I said those are two situations where you want. Exposure to whoever the wide receiver two is. Correct. So you're going to take a shot on Allison or MVS, and with the Steelers, we'll get to them in the next coming weeks, you're you going to take a shot on Washington or Dante Moncrief because there could be legitimate fantasy value in either one of those situations.
2: i have g- seen that in the past. For whatever reason, I feel better about James Washington than I do Moncrief. Allison and MVS are really, really tough to figure out. Um, and I think they might play different roles. I, I think Allison has been working
3: out of the slot.
2: Really? Really?
3: so far in, like, OTAs. We'll see think, what happens in training Because
2: I, like, I think of him more like a James Jones type, so that's really interesting that he's working out of the slot. So, m- most people might not even realize
3: this, but MVS is actually bigger really? and faster than Geronimo Allison. I did not realize So, he was. plays on the outside, no. and he's been working with, I-, I read this yesterday, he's been working with Randy Moss. Doesn't okay. mean he's Randy Moss, but he's six foot four, Greg, and his 40-yard uh, his dash and his speed score both rank in, like, the 96th percentile coming out of college. Very interesting. So MVS is like a really, really interesting power-speed combination at, at the outside wide receiver position.
2: Yeah, again, I'm going to want these Packers. I also, speaking of the Packers, I drafted Jamal Williams this morning in my uh, Scotts Fish Fishbowl.
3: Do you have Aaron Jones? No. All right. Well, I'm sorry then. <laughs> I don't really think there's much upside with Jamal Williams. I mean, unless Aaron Jones gets hurt with, which I guess is a possibility. He has like three MCL tears already in his career. It
2: was the 16th round, and I thought, hey, why not?
3: I put out a poll yesterday: Adronimo uh, Allison versus MVS, and MVS won the poll. Fifty-eight percent of the vote. You don't like Geronimo
2: Allison for some reason.
3: I, I mean, I like both. I, if I could get my hands on either one, I'm I'm down. I think I just slightly lean MVS over Allison.
2: When what was the Minnesota conversation?
3: Uh, the Minnesota conversation was: we don't really see a path to Kirk Cousins being all that fantasy viable because we believe the Vikings are going to run the football a ton. If Dalvin Cook stays healthy, he has top five RB upside, and. Good luck figuring out who you want between Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. When I, I mean, know you probably lean Diggs because he's a Tim. I term. don't.
2: I lean Thielen. Oh, all There's right. a real connection there between him and Kirk Cousins.
3: Fair. And he plays the slot,
2: too. Absolutely. All right. We'll take a break. No more Vikings, no more Packers. Today, we hit on the Patriots and the Dolphins. Stick around. More on the way next. Well, on the BFF, Frank Stanford, Eric Young, Greg Sussman, all here with you. And today, as we get away from the NFC, we move on to the AFC East. And we know that you've gotten a bunch of other previews, of course, uh, on the network, but we're doing it in our own style. Like, I have a bunch of questions, as I mentioned, and I'm just trying to get them answered. I'm not trying to preview position by position, round by round. I'm not trying to do that. And maybe we will get there. And I have a feeling when we finish kind of going over these teams, we'll probably take it round by round after that. I know you have some other stuff you want to do as well. But we're going to get to all that stuff. But right now, as I said, I just have questions. And my questions today start with the Miami Dolphins. And my, my question really is, and I, I, I truly can't understand it. And that's why everybody is not in love with Kenyon Drake like I am. Like, I, I love this dude, admittedly. He helped me win a championship a couple of years ago, so I had an affinity for him. But last year with Frank Gort in Miami and, and Adam Gaze there, I was like, oh, you know, I. Who knows what's to come? Who knows what he could possibly be? And it was very, very frustrating because whenever he had the ball, and it was certainly not uh, as much as he should have, I thought he succeeded. And down the stretch, he had he got a little bit more time. His head did come off a bit, but whenever Kenyon Drake was given an opportunity, he succeeded. Now the two biggest detractors of Kenyon Drake are gone. There's no more Adam Gaze. There's no more Frank Gore. It's Kenyon Drake, and it's Kalen Balazs. Fine, Kalen Balazs, nothing wrong with him, all good. But Kenyon Drake has proven that he's an NFL running back. He has proven that he can have success between the tackles. He can have success in the passing game. He can do a little bit of everything. And yet, when I look at Kenyon Drake's EDP, to me, it doesn't nearly reflect how good he could be. Kenyon Drake is currently the 46th player off the board. When it comes to the running backs, Kenny and Drake, according to the NFFC, in the month of July, is the twenty-second running back off the board after a guy that you like, Mark Ingram, after Carryon Johnson, who we've spoken about, uh, right before a Philip Lindsay and a David Montgomery. To me, the fact that you're getting this guy at the end of the fourth round, maybe the early fifth, I, I feel like I'm missing something because this offense, which is not going to be very good, I-, I get it, Brian. It has one guy. And it's Kenny Andre, he does everything. We're looking for all these situations where we want one guy. We found him. And it's someone that's had success before, Frank, what am I missing?
3: Well, you hit on a few of the things there. I think the, this team overall is not going to be very good, and I think if... Josh Rosen is the quarterback that limits some of the upside as well. I think if Ryan Fitzpatrick were the quarterback that ultimately helps the offense, helps them have big plays, and helps them get down the field in terms of putting them in position to score points overall, getting inside the red zone. So I think Ryan Fitzpatrick would help them do that, but uh, I'm in the side that I believe Josh Rosen probably starts the majority of the games this year for the Miami Dolphins. I agree with you that Kenyon Drake is a really, really talented running back. We all saw it in 2017, that final month of the season where he led all running backs in rushing yards. He was the RB7 during that stretch from weeks 13 through 17 back in 2017. And, you know, I have a bunch of stats listed here. I can basically talk your ear off about how good he is on a per-touch basis, Greg.
2: But I know. That's
3: awesome. That's exactly it. Do you think... I'll throw this back your way. Please. Do you think that Wherever he's been throughout college and in the NFL, there is a reason he has not had hundred more than 133 carries dating back to high school. Is there a reason? Is it because he's not good in pass protection? Can he not withstand a workhorse workload? Because at some point, Greg, I look at everything that's happened in college and the NFL level, and I think, maybe the coaches know something that we don't about Kenyon Drake, whether it's his durability or something like that. That's the question mark that I have that
2: kind of holds me back. And the fact that the Dolphins offense is just not going to be good. This conversation reminds me of an exact conversation that we had three years ago. An exact conversation. And it revolved around a former Dolphins running back. And that was Lamar Miller. Because same thing in college. Didn't have the workload at Miami. Went to the Dolphins. Didn't have the workload with the Dolphins. And he went to the Houston Texans. And everybody in fantasy football drooled over him. Because... It was going to be finally for him in an offense by himself. Now, admittedly, it was not nearly the season that we had hoped for, but where you were drafting Lamar Miller that year with everything going right for him it was the second round. You're getting Kenyon Drake two rounds later. And EY, he's the guy. Like, we have questions about Josh Jacobs. You have questions, in my opinion, and we disagree about this. we'll get to it next week, about Mark Ingram. Like, there are questions.
1: Kenyon Drake's the man. He's had success. What am I missing, man? I mean, f- for me, I- I'm on the same boat as you. I may not be as high. I think I got him ranked as uh, the 24th running back overall. So, I mean, that's probably higher than most. I believe in this player. I believe in he has every skill. But I think this, the scary part is Adam Gase. That's what it comes down to. Adam Gase
2: is gone. He's finally had. G- yes. Adam Gaze is gone. Finally has a coach that theoretically is going to try. Theoretically. Tr- is, yes, no doubt about it. We've never seen Brian Flores. We've never seen Chad O'Shea be an offensive coordinator. We've seen him together in New England. But everybody that leaves New England wants to run the ball. Right? Like we know that. We know certainly that Matt Patricia does. We knew yeah. Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien did, Charlie Weiss did, Romeo Cornell does. Everybody wants to run the ball. Here's their running back. They're going to run the football.
3: Well, we actually spoke about this a lot yesterday and we kind of agreed that everybody wants to run the football, but A, you need to be winning games to be able to run the football, Greg, and you have to have a pretty solid defense. Those things I don't think are going to be the case this year for the Miami Dolphins. I think they're probably going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Their offensive line is ranked 32nd according to Pro Football Focus. They lost their two, arguably two of their three best offensive linemen from last season in free agency. So the offensive line not being good. Not going to have a lot of leads. It just all kinds of adds up to, I don't know how many carries he's going to get. Now, I do think that he is going to have a prominent role in the pass game. And you mentioned that Chad O'Shea is calling plays for the first time in his career. He was the wide receiver coach in New England. So he's kind of worked under Josh McDaniels. He's seen what McDaniels has done. So he's kind of learned how to use a running back as a pass catcher. There's always been a pass catcher in New England. And last year, we saw what they did with James White. We'll At the least,
1: that, I think... That's the big thing for him, right? Yeah. Like, is he's not going to come off the... Kevin, Kevin Balazs, or whatever his name is, isn't going to... He's not a pass catcher. He's Correct. a big, bruiser, goal line guy. Yep. Drake's going to be on the field. I mean, the the question is, is, are they going to throw the ball to him? Is he going to get usage? If he does, I think he's going to be a good running back. I mean, a very, very, very good... good uh, draft position for him where he's a very great value at this point. I mean, I got him in Scott Fishbowl as my number two running back. And I mean, I'm super happy with that right now. Absolutely. Once the game start going, who knows? Well, of
2: course. And that, 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 I
1: don't, I don't hate his
3: ADP. Like I like where he's going right now, Greg, I could get in on him based on that. I, again, I think he's going to catch a lot of passes here. I think that's going to be the, that's going to be what saves his fantasy value. You know, if he doesn't have the opportunity to run the ball, 15-plus times a game because they're trailing a ton, I still think that he is going to get a lot of targets. So you look at that range, like, right around Mark Ingram. Who do you like more, him or, yeah. Ka- or on Johnson? I like on Johnson. Why? There's three well, guys there. We talked about it last week. I think the Detroit Lions are going to be a better team. Detroit than Lions are going to suck. I, I disagree. I think they're going to be a better team. What's
2: their over-under?
3: I couldn't tell you I'll offhand. It, look it up. It's probably, like, seven. It's probably in that range. It's a tough division. I realize that. Yeah. They made a lot of additions to the defense in the offseason. Needed it. They're going, I think their offensive line is pretty good, too. It's middle of the pack, but I just think there are a lot of things that are playing in on Johnson's favor that are much better than Kenyon Drake. Look, we're just going based off the assumption that he's going to be a workhorse running back this year. We don't know that for sure. The All the projections I've seen for Kenyon Drake's carries this year are 165. Six and a half, by the way, is the over-under. I, I think that they're going to be. I, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I think I mean, <laughs> they're probably over that. I, I think that the Detroit Lions are going to be better this year. I like their offensive line, and I like Car- carry on Johnson overall, too. You said there's three guys there. I mean, what does that mean, Greg? Well, I mean. I don't think that they're really going to use CJ Anderson.
2: I do. All that much. I don't think he signs there unless they're going to use him. Yeah, he well, has opportunities. You know, Kalen
3: Balazs is going to get a few carries per game as sure, well.
2: Sure, but CJ Anderson is. Was a free agent, yeah. chose to go to Detroit. He had other options. And I think the Lions
3: cut uh, Theo Riddick as well.
2: I will we'll leave that when I see it. Been there for a long time. Hey, where there's smoke, there's fire. They've been, they've been talking about it. No doubt about it. But there is no dispute. Henry Drake's the guy this year in Miami. And I'm going to take advantage of it by drafting him. Okay. We'll take a break. When we come back, the other pieces on Miami, if there are any that you want, <laughs> break it down next. We are back with you here on the BFFs. Frank Snaffle, Greg Sussman here with you, Eric Young as well and fantasy football season it's begun and season-long drafts are in full swing. roto experts has you covered with their nfl 365 fantasy football package it includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet davis maddock and the roto experts providing dynasty season-long betting best ball and nfl draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football that you play Save 10% at RotoExperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with the promo code FNTSY. The NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package. Available right now, only at
3: RotoExperts.com. Yeah. Greg, I'm happy you brought up those projections. Because during the break, I pulled them up. Here's what Davis Maddock has to say about Kenyon Drake. RB25, 156 carries, 62 targets. What? <laughs> Doesn't sound like you agree. No. It's going
2: to be higher than that.
3: All right. I'm just saying now that that's two people who make projections for a living. Davis Maddock and Blake Bealey have him both for uh, under 165 carries. I'm just saying. I'm throwing it out there. I'm saying that they are wrong. All right. I mean, they very well could. Yeah. I'm, like, in terms of ADP. You know, like, he used to
2: write a column how his stupid projections were, right?
3: Which. Well, you should probably bring it back. Which, uh, which running back going around Kenyon Drake would you rather have Kenyon Drake over? I'd rather have him than Carry On Johnson. All
1: right. I can't get behind that. That's fine. I, I got hear. him one, one over carry On Johnson. There you go. Lindsey just in front of him. Josh Jacobs one in front of him. I'd rather have him than Josh Jacobs.
3: I disagree with, with that. That's fine. Yeah, me too. Just because Josh Jacobs is going to be... I mean, they drafted him to be a... They used a first-round pick on him. Sure. They're going to use him like a workhorse running back. I'd rather have him than Mark Ingram. And it's a better offense. That I can see in PPR. I can see Kenyon Drake over Mark Ingram in PPR. In full-point PPR. In half and standard, I think
2: Mark Ingram's going to score more touchdowns with the Ravens. We'll see. We shall. All right. The other weapons, if you will, uh, with the Miami Dolphins, uh, there's not much, Frank. You look at what they've done offensively, uh, it's all the same. And it was not very good last year. Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Bryce Butler
3: here, man, and, and 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 this is the uh, the offense that uh, of a running back that you want on your team. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm just going to keep hammering home that point. I just
2: uh, Albert I Wilson as well. I, was I
3: don't think him. that they're going to have many scoring opportunities. I don't know how often they're going to get down the field. And look, it's it's the same as last year. It's Kenny Stills. It's Devontae Parker. It's Bryce Butler. Those are your projected starting wide receivers right now for the Miami Dolphins have Mike Gusecki, let's see if he can take a step forward in year two. He was drafted in the second round by these Miami Dolphins. It is a new coaching regime that didn't have anything to do with drafting Mike Gusecki. But overall, for all the weapons involved, I'm not really targeting any of them outside of Kenyon Drake. If Ryan Fitzpatrick were the starter for like the first month of the season, I would have a lot more interest in someone like Kenny Stills, who led this team with like a 16 average depth of target last year? Yeah,
2: totally. Kenny Stills with Ryan Fitzpatrick would obviously work. And I think that's something that I can get behind. It's not going to cost you anything. And when we find out who the quarterback is, I totally agree because Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be bombs away. But let's say we're drafting right now, EY, and we don't know who the quarterback's going to be between Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. Are you taking a shot on any of these wide receivers or, or the tight end in Miami? Or are you, you know, saying. I'll rather somebody else no matter what the price is.
1: Yeah, I mean as of right now nobody knows who's going to be the starting quarterback there, not even the team, not even the head coach, not neither of the quarterbacks know. Um I was reading a thing the other day saying that FitzPatrick looked good and he he's uh been the more impressive one in camp. I was like, "Well, we'll see." Josh Rosen went from a terrible offensive line to not another good offensive line. So that's going to be uh, it's a hard move for this guy. I mean, I feel like he was uh, considered a very good quarterback, but I mean, we're going to find out. I think Josh Rosen starts because they're going to want to see what they have in him. Um, and I feel like they know that they're not going to be ultra competitive this year. So that's what I think. And for me, still, I have the Devonte Devonte Parker disease. He has all the intangibles, but he's never played in an offense. That is any good. So we'll see with these coaches how they scheme it up. I like that this guy was a Patriots wide receiver coach. He was around McDaniels. If nothing else, he at least has an idea how to scheme these guys open and how to use players with their best skills. Uh, you know, like, uh, that's what the Patriots do. They figure out what you're good at, and you do that thing. So hopefully this guy does that, uses Drake, uses Parker. Kenny Stills has proven he can do it again. I think Albert Wilson is really interesting as a, as a gadget slot guy. Um, crazy speed. We saw him flash a bit last year. So I'm not writing the Dolphins off because, I mean, the reality is, is nobody knows. This is way too early. They were bad last year, but this is going to be a different team. Uh, not different players, but d- different coaches, different schemes, different offensive play calling. So we're gonna find out.
3: We yeah, I actually agree with Ey that I think, again, we don't know, but I think Josh Rosen probably starts the majority, if not all the games this season. the Miami Dolphins gave up a second round pick for him. I think they want to see what they have in Rosen, and they're not going to win a lot of games. So they need to decide whether or not Josh Rosen could be their quarterback in the future because if not, if they have like a f- you know first, second or third overall pick next year, it's a very strong quarterback class coming out of college next season with Tua and, and Justin Herbert. So, you know, they need to figure out whether Josh Rosen is that guy because if he's not, then they're going to want to be in on one of those quarterbacks. So I agree with EY overall that Josh Rosen is more than likely starting the majority of the games here. And it, it, it was the worst possible situation that he can be thrust into last year as a rookie. Entire offensive line was just depleted by injury and a you know a, an, an incompetent I will use that word, for their offensive coordinator, Mike McCoy, who didn't know how to use David Johnson, didn't really know how to get anybody open. Um, just It was just a, a train wreck of a season for Josh Rosen. Not really a much better situation here for Miami, but it seems like they have a little bit more confidence in him than the Arizona Cardinals did.
2: Totally, totally agree with that. I want to shift gears here because we only have a half hour left of fantasy conversation with uh, Eric, so I want to get on to the New England Patriots, and Frank news is we've kind of alluded to this a bunch here on the show, and I'm very high on Kenny Drake. You just heard that, but I'm also high on Sony Michelle, and it seems to me that a lot of fantasy experts and analysts and fans are not nearly with me when it comes to Sony Michelle. And my my evidence is it's kind of obvious to me, right? Like Sony Michelle, we talked about first round pedigree. He has it. He was a first round draft pick last year of the New England Patriots. He battled injuries early. and That's going to be a recurring theme that we're going to talk about. He battled injuries early, got healthy, and then touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Battled some injuries in the middle of the season, came back, had some success. Touchdown, touchdown. You get into the playoffs. He was a dominant force, scoring, what, four touchdowns in the AFC um, semifinal, whatever you want to call it.
3: He had six total touchdowns in three games. In
2: the division championship game, he had three or four touchdowns. It was literally, boom, touchdown, boom, touchdown, boom, touchdown. Came back a week later, more touchdowns. And now yeah, Rex Burkhead was there, but they rode Sony Michelle as their true, tried and true running back. You get the Super Bowl, boom, touchdown. Again, tried and true running back. He is the guy. Now, in PPR leagues, I get it. He's never going to be the pass catcher in this offense. Never. That's James White, and we're going to get to him in a moment. Because I think he's undervalued also. But Sonny Michel is going to be the running back. He's going to score the touchdowns. Rex Burkhead's there. It's annoying. I, I, I get that. That's fine. That's why he's going a little bit later than the guys we just talked about with Kenny and Drake. But Sonny Michelle is the running back. He is the volume guy. More often than not, he's the guy on the goal line. And Frank and Eric will point out to you, well, he's battling another knee injury, and they just drafted Damian Harris out of college. That's true. But so many, Sony Michelle was a first round draft pick not three years ago or four years ago, even two years ago. Last year, he was a first round draft pick of New England last year. And even if they're giving up on him for Damian Harris one year later, you're wrong. Sony Michelle EY has talent, and I think he's another player being undervalued by the fantasy community thus far.
1: Uh, I think you keep saying something. The only thing wrong you're saying is, is he is, he is, he was that last year. This, I think you guys can both agree is the most, most maddening group of running backs to own in fantasy football has been like this for eight or ten years you never know who's going to get the ball okay last year yes uh he was when he was on he was he was good burkhead was hurt he was hurt james white is the pass catcher but week to week game to game you never know if he's going to get workload they could come in and know that the team they're playing the dolphins are terrible at covering the running backs in the passing game Sonny Michelle will not touch the ball more than 10 or 15 times. Absolutely true. So that I mean, if you want to roll the dice and draft him where he's where he's being drafted and maybe have a running back 60% of the time, feel free. I'm not arguing that Sonny Michel is a great running back when he has the ball. But the truth is, is with the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, he has proven year after year, you never know. The opportunity is there, but will he get it? Or will it be Burkhead? Or will it be Harris? Or will it be white or will they not run the ball and throw the ball a hundred times this is what he does this is what the new england patriots do they scheme against you and and you never know week to week so if you if you want to do that go ahead i'm not going to do that because it makes me nuts no no, that's absolutely drafting harris drafting harris is playing their hand to say they're worried if you draft a running back in the first round and the following year you draft a running back early again they're worried that's what that says. I don't give a crap what anybody says. They're worried about his knees. They're worried about him being healthy. If they weren't, they wouldn't draft a running back high again.
3: Yeah, and I'm closer to where EYE is when it comes to them do- drafting Damian Harris. Greg, I can make the case for and against Sony Michel. The number to know with Sony Michel is 18. He saw 18 or more carries in six games last season. He scored a touchdown in five out of six of those games in all of those games that he scored a touchdown, the Patriots won by double digits. So if you're good at predicting game flow, then Sony Michelle is your guy. Same thing in the postseason; he saw at least 18 carries in each of those games. What do you know? He scored a touchdown in each one of those games. He has six touchdowns. I'll tell you more about why you don't want Sony Michelle. We get back.
2: We'll also hear about why you should want James White and Julius Edelman. Julius, Julian, Jew, Julian. Julian Edelman coming up next. fun. All right, before we hit the break, we're talking about Sony Michel, and I believe he's a strong fantasy commodity. You do not believe that, Frank.
3: Yeah, I mentioned the number before the break to know with Sony Michelle was 18. In the in the six games where he saw 18 or more carries, he scored a touchdown in five of those. He saw three more games in the postseason with 18-plus carries. He scored a touchdown in all of those. I just don't know how realistic it is for him to get 18-plus carries in a game this season. I understand the Patriots want to run the football or at least they are going to paint the image that they want to run the football and then probably do something completely different because as EY said that's what the New England Patriots do but the Pats finished eighth in rush rush percentage last season so that tells me at least last year they really wanted to run the football and Tom Brady is one year older so overall I think they want to I think that's why they went out and got Damian Harris and while we're on that topic again I agree with EY I think If you draft a running back in the first round, you come back the next year and you use a third-round pick on an all-purpose running back in Damian Harris. That's what he's been described as. That's what I've seen out of him is that he can be a three-down running back. It just throws another wrench in the mix for the New England Patriots' backfield. I don't have a problem taking any of these guys in best ball, Greg. And maybe just straight up in a full PPR league, I'll take James White because we know what his role is. But in just your standard... Redraft League, trying to plug in a Patriots running back on a weekly basis, it is one of the most frustrating things in fantasy football. I do love Damian Harris right now in best ball too because it wouldn't surprise me if at some point like he has some monster games. The, the Patriots constantly churn out um, rushing touchdowns year in and year out from their running backs. He's probably going to be in that mix at some point. We just don't know when. So that's why I really like him for best ball because he's going the latest out of the three running backs who I think are fantasy viable.
2: Now, you mentioned James White, and I think everybody's right in saying that week to week, week it's going to be annoying. But you also said that James White, we know his role, and there is no competition for his role. Like, it's James White. And I was looking at the Patriots last night, and I'm quite frankly wondering who Tom Brady is going to throw to. Because you have James White, and you've had Julian Edelman, and we're going to get to both of them just right now. But after that, it's Nikhil Harry, it's Demarius Thomas, it's Dontrell Inman. Matt Lacoste. How dare you forget him, Greg? I used to love Matt Lacoste. <laughs> That's it. I believe Brady's going to heavily rely upon James White and Julian Edelman. And I don't know, Frank, that their current ADPs reflect where they, or how valuable they will be to their team. James White is going back-to-back with Sonny Michel. 25, 26, pick 51, and 52.
3: That's in the NFFC. The NFFC. Which is a full-point PPR. Which is a
2: full-point PPR.
3: So when you say that out loud, how ridiculous does that sound, that they're going back-to-back? It doesn't. Like, James White should be far away going ahead of Sonny Michelle in full-point PPR leagues. You're right. Sony Michelle right. had 11 oh. targets last year and 7 receptions. You need him to score... Touchdowns at a rapid pace, and I, I just don't know that he's going to be healthy enough to do so. I don't think
2: anybody knows right now. Julian Edelman is going at pick thirty-six, basically the end of the third round, early fourth round. His wide receiver rank is in the NFC fifteen. Okay, oh, I was actually higher than I thought it was. To
1: be honest with you, I still don't have a problem with it at all. No,
2: none. EY, how in are you are how in are you on James White and Julian Edelman?
1: I think PPR, like you said, like oh, he, of course he's a value. He's, he's proven that year over year. But but anywhere else, I feel like, I mean, it, you just don't know what his usage is going to be, and that's scary. Like, I mean, they're the Patriots. They're going to win football games. They're going to win the division again. They're going to probably play for the Super Bowl again, and everyone's tired of it. <laughs> but, I mean, until you can beat them, that's just the way it's going to be. For me, James White is about right. Whereas ADP is, I think I probably have him a little bit behind that. Even you just have to adjust depending on what league you're drafting. And if it's a full point PPR, then he's a value other than that. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't run the ball barely ever runs the ball. So it, and then, if you're telling me you're a Sony Michelle fan and he's going to touch the ball 18 to 20 times or 20 times or more and he's the bell cow, then how can James White be on the field too? They don't play two two running back sets. They they never do that. They they go back and forth, but week to week, I mean, it's it's a dart throw, and I don't I just don't want it on my team.
3: I would have to agree with you, Greg, that. Given the fact that Gronk is now gone, and there are a bunch of numbers that show that when Gronk is not on the field, Julian Edelman's targets go up, his receptions go up, his receiving yards go up, his touchdowns go up. Everything goes up across the board for Julian Edelman when Gronk is not on the field. And I think we started to see some of that last year. Even with Gronk on the field, he was a shell of himself last season. He just clearly was not nearly as effective as he has been in years past. And we saw that with uh, Julian Edelman's usage when he returned from week 5 on. Till the rest of the season. He was a top 10 wide receiver. He finished as wide receiver nine in half PPR from weeks five on last season once he returned from that suspension. And, you know, while we're talking about Edelman, we'll bring up James White because, again, I agree with you, Greg. I don't know that Tom Brady has dependable targets. How often have we seen a rookie wide receiver come in and have a massive
2: impact for
3: the New England Patriots?
2: Oh, wait. It's yeah, very, it, very rare. It doesn't happen often. It's Gronk very... Gronk and Aaron Hernandez worked.
3: Yeah. But Different positions, sure. obviously tight
2: ends. Somewhat similar. But, but
3: it... Nikhil, look, Nikhil Harry, I think he's a talented receiver. I think that they needed a big-bodied receiver on the outside, someone who can help them a little bit more in the red zone. But while we're talking about red zone, James White finished top 10 last year in red zone targets, and Julian Edelman was just behind him. Julian Edelman finished top 12 in red zone targets last year. He missed four games. What does that tell you about his usage moving into this season? I don't think that you could just look at years past and say Julian Edelman is has, you know, he's pigeonholed as this PPR wide receiver. He's not going to catch touchdowns. We have to project forward. That was in the past when Gronk was on the field, when he was their red zone weapon. Last season, again, Edelman, top 12 in red zone targets, and he missed four weeks of the season. So I think that the touchdowns, weren't as fluky as they were last year for Julian Edelman. I think that that's probably going to be a real thing for him moving forward because I don't know who else Tom Brady is going to trust in the red zone, Greg. He clearly has a very good rapport with both James White and Julian Edelman. Is James White going to score 12 total touchdowns again this year? No. Probably not. But he finished as, what, a top eight running back? He's not being drafted as a top eight running back. So in a a PPR league, I have no problem whatsoever with James White as my flex running back in that similar range as Tariq Cohen, and I would probably lean James White over Tariq
2: Let Cohen. me throw this at both of you, though. What about the half-point PPR? Because more and more people are playing yep. in that half-point PPR. We talk about standard PPR all the time and the value. What about the half-point EY when it comes to guys that are major players in, in the quantity game when it comes to uh, receptions in Edelman and White? What do you do with them in the half-point PPR?
1: Yeah, obviously he's worth more than he is in a standard. In a standard, I'm not touching James White. He's completely worthless, I mean, basically. In a half-point PPR, he's he's valuable. Half-points add up, especially like you said, with Gronk gone, it, it's proven in the past that his receptions will go up. So, you know, that's that's their their short distance, mid range reception guy. Edelman does that, too. But like Frank said, he last year was definitely used on the goal line and in the red zone. And I think he's going to be used there again. Bill Belichick very seldomly trusts rookies. I think last year, you know, Michelle was an exception, but I don't know if Burkhead didn't get hurt, if Michelle would have got that much work.
2: Frankie, halfway PBR, what do you think?
3: I still don't mind James White as my flex. I wouldn't want him as my RB2 in a half-point PPR. If you start your draft zero running backs, if you start with like three wide receivers in a row or, or two running backs in one of the elite tight ends and you end up with you know James White there as your RB2, you can probably make it work. I mean, there are many different ways to win in fantasy football, but me personally, I would feel better with James White as my flex option in both half-point and full-point PPR. Um just because I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to score overall. I mean, look, he scored 12 total touchdowns last year. I, it's just, it's going to be really, really hard for him to come close to that number. Uh, and I agree with, with EY in standard or non-PPR. Like James White's still going to score. If I had to predict, like he's probably going to end up with like anywhere from six to eight touchdowns this year, maybe like one or two on the ground. And like five or or six through the air. Probably something like that for James White. So that's not completely useless, but he does take a big hit in non-PPR leagues. That's James White.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I believe Ben Watson suspended for the first four games of the year, right, with New England. He re-signed there to replace Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Frankie mentioned Nikhil Harry. Marius Thomas is coming off his own major injury. That's why it's just more and more on Julian Edelman. But before we wrap up the Patriots, I I have to ask about Tom Brady. Because Brady forever was a, a top-five drafted quarterback. The GOAT. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. But right now, in the NFFC, he's the 22nd quarterback off the board. That is making him barely a QB, two, Somebody that costs you, well, almost nothing in drafts to get. I understand taking the name of the back of the jersey, Frank, and you're all about that. Understandably so. But 22 for Brady seems... Like, incredibly low here.
3: I think it just seems low because we've played fantasy football for so long. We've seen the years where Tom Brady was the elite fantasy football quarterback. It's just, let's be realistic with ourselves. This guy's going to be 42 years old when the season starts. Mind you, he's still in, you know, maybe better shape than some of the other quarterbacks that are in the league. He does a phenomenal job of keeping himself in good shape, but... He is 42 years old, and last year he finished QB 17 in fantasy points per game. So I don't know that the upside is still there. As I mentioned earlier, I think that the Patriots, they understand what Brady is at this point. I don't think that they want to force him to throw the ball all that much. I'm sure that there's going to be games where it's a little bit more up and down, competitive games where he does have to throw the ball more. But ultimately, I think that they want to rely on the running backs. That's why you know they continue to have one of the best offensive lines in the league. That's why they bring in a Damian Harris. They still have uh, Sony Michel. They still have James White. They're going to rely heavily on those running backs. I just don't know that they're going to have to ask Tom Brady, frankly, Greg, to do much more than what he did last year, which barely made him a top 20 quarterback in fantasy points per game. And if
2: they don't ask him to do more, that's going to be a lot of James White, James White, James White, James White. Plus, he's historically been much better
3: with Gronk on the field as well, so Definitely. we can't downplay that. Uh, but, look, if you play in a super flex league... I think you could do a lot worse than Tom Brady. You know, if I took one of these upside shots as my QB1, uh, someone who has a lot of risk, Cam Newton has a ton of upside this year, but also has the injury risk. Kyler Murray has a ton of upside this year, but he's a risk rookie, so inherently that comes with risk as well. If I took one of those quarterbacks as my quarterback 1 in a Superflex league, that's a situation where I would not mind taking Tom Brady as my second quarterback or as my super flex quarterback to kind of balance out that volatility that you have in your quarterback one.
2: Are you drafting Tom
1: Brady, Eric? Uh, Probably not. I mean, like he, they showed last year that, I mean, they're just not, they're not wanting to rely on him like they did. And it's not because he's not good. It's that's just not what they do. They, uh, they just beat you however they can. And it's not about Tom having to make all the throws. With the Patriots, though, like I said earlier, I mean, they could come out this year and he could score 45 touchdowns. I mean, they're good enough to do that. If they decide they want to do that, I think they could. Um, but having that that talent in, at running back, I think it, it, that shows their hand. You can't ever listen to what any team says. You can only pay attention to what they do. And by drafting Sony Michelle last year, number one, and Harris this year, keeping Burkhead, keeping White, They're saying, we're going to run the ball, we're going to be ahead, we're going to play good defense, and we're going to keep the ball, and we're going to win. That's what they do. Um, Now, that doesn't translate to fantasy, especially at the quarterback position last year, and I think that's what they're going to do again this year, but he's solid. I mean, as solid as it gets, and I think he's probably the best quarterback to ever play.
2: We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we have our three questions in three minutes segment uh, with Ewa. We'll ask him three questions about the two teams that we talked about. And we'll wrap up our previews, of course, with the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. And we'll move on to the action hour here on the BFFs. That's Eric Young. That's Frank Stample. I'm Greg Suss. We'll take our break, and we'll be back in just a few moments. Questions, three minutes, final three of the fantasy program. Frank Staffel, Greg Sussman, Eric Young, let's get right to it. We only have three minutes to go. We begin, I'll ask both of you guys the question. Question number one, outside of Julian Edelman and James White, what is wh- which pass catcher in New England do you want the most? Frank, we start with you.
3: I know I just sat here and bashed Nikhil Harry, but the opportunity for him to be a starting wide receiver for the New England Patriots on the outside and potentially do some work in the red zone is still there for him. Um, I don't love rookie wide receivers with the Patriots, but if I had to choose one after those guys, it would be Nikhil Harry.
1: Eric? Eric? Uh, It's Matt Lacoste for me. I mean, they've proven that they want to throw to the tight end, and uh, I don't think he's not going to be Gronk. He's never going to be Gronk, but I feel like he could be a touchdown guy. And with tight ends, like, look, there's four or five that you want to own, and then the rest of it is roll the dice and close your eyes and hope.
3: Fun fact, I took Matt Lacoste as my third tight end in a best ball draft last night. Nice, Frankie. (laughs) Not really, but... Thanks, Greg.
2: You got it, buddy. (laughs) Question number two. Speaking of the tight end, Frank mentioned Mike Gusecki was an early-round draft pick last year for Miami. Never really got the opportunity, but it is new coaching staff, and there isn't much talent there in Miami. Can Mike Gusecki EY be a fantasy commodity?
1: Yeah, I I think I have him as a tight end sleeper. I took him in a bunch of best ball leagues so far already. Um, The coach... Work with the Patriots. They know how to scheme tight ends open and use them. This guy has every intangible that a tight end needs. He's fast. He can catch. He's good after, after the catch. He's got all the tools. And, I mean, someone's going to catch the ball there. They're going to have, be throwing. They're going to be behind. And it, it could be him. He's a, he's a dice roll. But in a basketball or, or you know, your last draft pick, you'll know in week one or two whether he's going to be figured in.
3: I agree with EY. I don't mind him as your tight end two or three in a – best ball draft. If Josh Rosen is the quarterback, he probably needs a safety blanket to lean on. That might be Mike Kusecki.
2: Question number three, our final question, final minute of the fantasy hour, and that is regards to Devontae Parker. Fan, at some point this season, will fantasy owners be freaking out about Devontae Parker once again? Frank?
1: Probably yes. EY? Yes, in a good way. I think that he, this is it for him. I think he's got something to prove, and uh, with the new coaching staff there, he's going to show that he is, he is who we've always thought he was.
2: There you go. He's Eric Young. That was three questions in three minutes. Frank and EY will be back for Fantasy Talk tomorrow. When we come back, we move on to the action hour here on the BFFs.
0: Couldn't catch the live show? Yes. Make sure to download our podcast at the FNTSY Sports Network Audio Boom channel. Oh, so bad.